All right, I think I gave it about a minute. So I'm gonna get us started with some uh, opening like housekeeping announcements. And then Tim and I will open up our time in a word of prayer. Uh, so just uh, some housekeeping items uh, to start off. If you're able to, it'd be great to turn your cameras on um, so that we can see you. Uh, and also as we chat with one another this evening, it's nice to, even though we can't meet face-to-face -face in person, we can at least see each other face-to-face -face through Zoom. And uh, the session will be recorded or it's being recorded now. So please keep that in mind uh, through this, um, through the Logos tonight. Um, mute yourself if you are not uh, planning on speaking or haven't been, uh, I guess, asked to share. And um, for chat, the chat is open, uh, but for just etiquette, um, please use it responsibly. Uh, I try not to use it to distract from the, the main message, or um, you can just refrain from using that unless there's something you want to bring up to uh, somebody specifically or to the group. So with that, um, welcome to Logos tonight. Um, it's great to see you all. And uh, Tim and I uh, will open up our time in a word of prayer. So um, Tim, you want to start? Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we come before your throne of grace as sinners who need saving and saving from our sins. And Lord, we know that there is nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And so you've graciously sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth, live a perfect, sinless life, and died on the cross as a propitiation for our sins. And Lord, we just thank you for, for this gift that you've given us. Um, and I pray that uh, for each one of us who, who know you um, and who've accepted Christ, Lord, that we would all uh, continue to uh, run this race faithfully, Lord, that we would continue to just see sin for what it is and continue to uh, train for godliness as you've commanded us to, uh, in first Timothy. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you that uh, you've built your church um, with Christ as a cornerstone and your word as a foundation um, for our lives. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we continue to read uh, and study First Timothy, Lord, that we would grow more and more uh, into understanding what it means to be a church body, um, and that's to stand as a pillar and buttress of your truth, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would help us to see that uh, each and every day as we uh, are interacting with different people, are in uh, different circumstances or situations, whether they're stressful, whether they're um, joyful, or uh, just happy or carefree. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would continue to grow in uh, uh, into uh, your likeness and uh, that we would pursue holy lives that would be pleasing to you um, only by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I thank you for tonight. Uh, pray that you would all, uh, you would give us all hearts to, uh, to receive your word humbly, um, that it would transform our hearts. Uh, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Lord God, um, we praise you and thank you for you are holy and worthy to be praised. Uh, thank you for being our loving father uh, and caring for us as your children. Um, 
and for being a great shepherd who cares for his his sheep and the flock. We pray that um, we thank you for your word, and we pray that uh, this evening that um, it would be proclaimed um, boldly and truthfully. We thank you that um, we can we can uh, know your word, and we pray that we won't just be hearers of the word, but but we would be doers of the word. Um, we thank you for uh, faithful men who will teach. Um, and we thank you that tonight um, Kevin will be um, teaching from the word. And we pray that uh, you'd um, be with him, that you guide him in the words that he speaks. Um, and that our hearts would be softened to receive and uh, that we would know you better through your uh, the teaching of your word. And that we would live lives that are transformed to be more like your son and that Christ would be exalted tonight um, uh, and not just today, but in every day uh, and through our lives. Um, we pray that, um, to thank you that you're a father who loves his children um, and that um, you care for us, um, you correct us, you teach us. Um, we pray that we be humble before you and even uh, tonight um, as we gather together. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. All right. So now uh, we'll read the passage uh, for tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you don't already have it there. And we'll read verses, or I'll read verses um, 11 through 16, which will be a passage today. And after I read, I'll ask um, our two uh, members who will be sharing uh, tonight. Uh, first, we'll ask Justin to share. And then after that, we'll ask Joanna to share. And they'll each share one thing that God's taught them through his word and uh, one prayer request. So I'll read uh, first from 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16, and then I'll hand the time off to Justin. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not, neglect, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a, watch, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, so by, do, so by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, so um, Justin, go ahead. And then after Justin's done, Joanna, you can share. Sure. So in our group, we uh, talked about um, the, the pointing out about a public ministry as well as a private ministry. Uh, we see that um, throughout the verses, like in verse 11, um, calls Timothy to set an example also in uh, verse 13 about the public reading of scripture and in verse 15 um, practicing uh, these things immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress um, so we definitely see a uh, public aspect of things but also uh, just as important it wasn't um, enough just to have uh, a public um, ministry but also in private um, like he tells him in for 16 to keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So uh, that was uh, just a good challenge uh, for me and, and for my group, just to consider the way that we're living our lives, um, like um, in being examples um, 
you have to not just publicly be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity in public, but also in our private lives as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one thing that we uh, talked about in our group. Uh, one prayer request for me is that uh, for work, it's been a pretty busy season and I've been working um, long hours and it's, uh, it gets uh, pretty arduous at times and um, taxing. Um, but um, a prayer request is that in, in my heart uh, to have a heart that is um, working excellently for the Lord and not just for um, my boss's approval or what others may think of me or even for myself, um, but um, to have a heart that um, is focused more on um, my relationship with the Lord, prioritizing my time um, in reading his word and praying uh, more than the many other fires or uh, things that my work may call me to do. Thanks, Justin. Um, for me, um, I think uh, the thing that stood out to me was, um, so I was reading this passage that um, Paul had a lot of commands for Timothy and um, even just like going through all these commands, like devote, practice, immerse yourself, keep a close watch, persist, practice. Um, those seem to just kind of convey an idea of, you know, that um, commitment and perseverance is, is needed um, in order to obey these commands um, for Timothy. Um, and in verse 16, particularly, the first part um, particularly stood out it says keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching and um, you know it just reminded me that um, you know we should be persevering in examining our lives and our our beliefs in, in light of God's word um, I think especially during this time when there's just you know so many um, opinions, so many um, thoughts on things, ideas um, outside the church, within the church, and even myself. Um, I think it's important for um, us to really uh, consider whether our thoughts and our beliefs are, are really submitted to God's word as opposed to, you know, what we think. And also, you know, like just even kind of what we talked about last time, that not only should we have the right understanding of scripture, but we should be living it out. And I know that um, it is, this is Paul talking to Timothy, but you know, something that we should be applying as well. Um, that, um, you know, this whole book so far is this recurring theme of really faithfully handling scripture, but also living it out um, so that you know, us as a church can really uphold God's truth, uphold the gospel. Um, in terms of prayer requests, um, I think that uh, really just as, you know, as I, as I read scripture, as I learn more from his word, um, that really I would be growing and loving God. And I think that's just um, something that you know, I need to prioritize and to love God even above everything else and to, um, to really trust that he's good. So I think that's something 
you're praying for. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks, Justin, for sharing. Um, and uh, as a church family, we can definitely be in prayer for each of you and what you shared. So now we'll transition from the time of uh, sharing to um, the teaching from God's word. And our deacon, Kevin Al, will be um, teaching from this passage on a good servant of Jesus, part two. Great. Thanks, Edwin. Uh, tough to follow up that sharing. Pretty much uh, nailed everything I'm going to say tonight, um, but that's good. Um, let me go ahead and share my screen. So if, uh, apologies if this takes longer than necessary, but uh, um, Edwin and Tim, I can see you guys still. So if you can give me a quick thumbs up, if you can see the um, awesome, great. So yeah, it, good evening, everyone. Um, there are some people here that I have not had the pleasure of meeting yet. So hopefully at some point, I will get to, to meet you guys in person. It feels like it's been a long time since our last Logos meeting. Um, so I think just to kind of remind us all, we introduced last time this concept of being a good servant of Jesus Christ and specifically what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy about being a good servant of Jesus Christ and how he can be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And by extension, what he's telling us in terms of what matters to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be continuing the same topic, but we're going to be looking specifically at the verse, verses that we read earlier, uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 11 through 16. But before we dive in, it's always a good practice for us, and I know that you guys do this in your exegesis groups, but you know, it's good for us to revisit the context always, because as you guys know, these words in 1 Timothy 4, they exist in a historical and a passage context, and we can't properly understand what the words mean without the context through which to understand them. So part of being a good steward of God's word is to do our due diligence with the exegesis and the context. So as far as our chapter is concerned, uh, as far as the book of First Timothy is concerned, um, generally we place this in the later years of the apostolic era. And what does that mean? And why is that important? Because Christ, he had initially given the apostles the task of establishing the church because they were the ones given revelation of Christ and the authority to represent Christ by virtue of having been with him and receiving the benefit of his earthly ministry. So if you were in the early church and you want to know, how do I follow Christ? You go to the apostles and what they're saying. And not only that, but a lot of the apostles' ministry was also accompanied by works and sign gifts to validate that, that they indeed had this authority from Christ himself and that people should be listening to them. Now, the apostles were human and they would eventually die. And this, sometimes this was via persecution or by old age. And at the time of the writing of 1 Timothy, it hasn't completely happened yet, but we're starting to near the end of the apostles' ministry and time on earth. So what happens with the church when there are no more apostles? Who does the church turn to to speak the words of Christ? Who even has the authority to do that? If the apostles are thinning out, signs and wonders are even phasing out, who can lead the church in a way that truly represents Christ as head and Lord of the church? Now, it's, there's the saying that nature abhors a vacuum. 
So in the absence of the authoritative office of apostle, something or someone, good or bad, is going to fill that. So the question is, how do we ensure that this apostolic vacuum is filled with the right things and the right people rather than the wrong things and the wrong people? And this is the background for what we're seeing in 1 Timothy. And it's an urgent question because we're already starting to see the emergence of false teachers in the church. And we've seen that a lot in what we've read in 1 Timothy already. Since the apostles are spread thin and they're not around in every church, some people have seized the opportunity to fill that void and to appear authoritative by making confident assertions of things that are essentially devoid of the true gospel, all while living a life that was contrary to the gospel. And a lot of the book of First Timothy is devoted to making this distinction of what is primary and what is essential in the church and how people ought to behave in the church, which is essentially behave with godliness. So by the time we get to 1 Timothy 4, Paul has described what is appropriate behavior for men in the church, for women in the church, elders, for deacons. And now he is specifically turning his attention to Timothy and specifically how Timothy ought to behave as a good servant of Jesus Christ. Because as you see, the office of apostle, it may no longer be around anymore, but the ministry that the apostles began is carried on by good servants of Jesus Christ. And the authority of the apostles still remains with Christ's words. And it's always been with Christ's words and his words that are preserved in the scriptures for us. It's no coincidence that the canon or the 66 books of our Bible, they're nearing completion as the apostles were dying out because the authority that the apostles had was never their own authority. Their authority came by virtue of them speaking the words of Christ. And we have the words of Christ preserved for us in the scriptures for generations upon generations. And we can regard that with full confidence. So the task of the apostles is carried on by good servants of Jesus Christ. And their authority still comes from the testimony of Jesus Christ and the gospels that is preserved in the scriptures for us. And this is exactly what we've been seeing as we've studied the book of First Timothy, and we're gonna see more of it tonight. So this evening, we are gonna look more closely at what a good servant of Jesus Christ should be. And no spoiler warnings are needed because they're very much the same things that we have already been talking about through First Timothy, just reiterated here. And more specifically, Verses 11 through 16, if you take a look through this passage in your Bible, it's just a continuation of what was started in the previous passage. Paul has been describing what it means for Timothy to be this good servant, and he's not finished with that description yet. He's continuing that. So there are a lot of things that we can draw from this passage, but I'd like to focus uh, specifically on four different points that Paul covers here. And we'll start off by discussing a good servant's authoritative calling, a good servant's authoritative calling, and that is to preach the word. So in this passage, Paul gives Timothy a series of rapid fire commands, um, one after the other. And a lot of these commands are just direct imperatives regarding Timothy's ministry of preaching the word. So Paul says, command and teach these things. So these things, we see these words a lot around this passage. These things here, 
are the same things that Paul exhorts Timothy to put before the brothers all the way back in verse six. So what are these things? Well, these things, they refer to the whole counsel of what Paul has given Timothy in this letter, which includes the command to prevent false teachers from teaching false doctrine. It also includes the call for men to lift holy hands in prayer, for women to adorn themselves with good works, for leaders to be above reproach. And, but most of all, it encompasses the sound words of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words of the faith, the good doctrine that Timothy has been following since he was young. So Paul is reiterating what he has already been instructing Timothy, but he's doing so much more comprehensively with specific words that encompass multiple aspects of this ministry of the word. So not only is Timothy just generally supposed to put these things before the brothers, as was mentioned back in verse six, but Paul specifically tells Timothy that he is to command these things. And that word is a pretty strong word. Um, and it gives the sense of like in, in the military when a commanding officer gives orders to a subordinate. So this is different than just making a suggestion or recommendation or an invitation to think about what scriptures say, but Timothy is to command. And the same word is used in the gospel of Luke when Christ commands an unclean spirit to come out of a man. So commanding implies an authority that comes with it. You can't command without an implicit authority. And the authority that Timothy has comes from the fact that his words come from Christ. So Timothy doesn't need to shy away. Actually, he must not shy away from representing Christ's words for what they truly are, which is orders from our Lord and King. Uh, secondly, Timothy is to teach these things. And we find that in verse 11, we see it again in uh, verse 13. So the implication is that Timothy has to teach Christ's words and the purpose and the intention of this is for his hearers to learn it and to understand that. Um, we see more words here. Uh, we see uh, that Timothy is supposed to be devoted to the reading of scripture in verse 13. And the assumption is that this is a public reading of the scripture to the whole congregation. And the importance of this might be lost in us a little bit. And it was critical that Timothy devoted himself to read the scriptures publicly, because for a lot of people at that time, this might be the only way that they could regularly intake the scriptures, as many perhaps weren't literate, and most did not have their own personal copy of the scriptures as we do today. So to ensure that people could even receive the scripture and to know what's in it, Timothy has to devote himself to reading publicly for all to hear the words of God. But we see more commands here, more aspects of this ministry of the word. Um, Paul calls them to exhortation, to teaching. And we've already touched on teaching, meaning to explain for the purposes of his hearers to understand what the words say. But Paul also uses this word exhortation. So, Timothy needs to urge his hearers towards obedience to the scriptures. It's not enough for them just to understand what the words mean, but Timothy needs to urge or encourage or push or plead, persuade, whatever he needs to do to push people towards obedience to the scriptures. So his 
Timothy's public ministry of the word can't just be sort of a detached and dispassionate, you know, laying out of the knowledge of what's there, but he needs to be invested in how people respond to it. He can't just have a, here's the word, take it or leave it approach, but more of a, you need to take this approach because it's that important. Um, it's worth mentioning that Paul says that Timothy is to do these things until Paul is able to come. Because you see, Paul, he's, he's the capital A Apostle Paul. If you're in the church, if the Apostle Paul speaks, you should be listening. But in the absence of the Apostle Paul being physically present to speak with apostolic authority that represents the very words of Christ, he's saying that Timothy's ministry of reading the scripture, exhortation in the scriptures, teaching the scriptures is also authoritative and also sufficient to minister to the people of God. So if you're a good servant of Jesus Christ and you have Christ's words, you don't have to be an apostle to command and teach with Christ's authority. So to go even deeper, Timothy's calling to preach the word comes with an authoritative validation and an affirmation as well. So Timothy, he's not just some guy with a Bible and a Twitter account. If he were, how could he be sure that he wasn't just another one of the false teachers, just spouting on and just making confident assertions while being ignorant. So Timothy, from the clues that we learn reading through the book of 1 Timothy, he probably was very hesitant. And he likely was not standing up to rebuke and correct the false teachers to the extent that he should have been and to fulfill his duty as minister of God's word. So Paul takes the time here to remind Timothy that he has an authoritative call to ministry that also includes an authoritative affirmation of that call. In verse 14, Paul reminds Timothy of his spiritual gift. And his spiritual gift is not just a platform and internal gut feeling that this is what he's supposed to do. So, you know, in our day, not everybody with a YouTube channel and an ax to grind has the spiritual gift of teaching, right? And most don't have the discernment for that matter. But for Timothy, his spiritual gift and his calling was validated by the very words of God himself. And specifically, the text says by prophecy or by prophetic utterance, a, a word from the Lord. And secondly, this was affirmed collectively by outwardly by the laying on of hands of the council of elders who represent the affirmation of the church and their appointment of Timothy to this task of teaching the word. So these council of elders were presumably men of character, qualified character, who themselves were called into these roles. So Timothy, he's got the authoritative words of Christ. He's been given a gift from the spirit validated by a by prophetic utterance and also affirmed through men who are above reproach. So he's got all these things going for him. So Paul's command to Timothy is, Timothy, you need to go preach the word and you shouldn't back down from that. So Timothy probably needed all of these reminders of his authoritative call because he was a younger man. Um, his exact age, we're not sure of, but you know, given the what's mentioned in this passage, it's very likely that his age was making it harder for some people to give him the same respect 
as let's say someone as like the apostle Paul. And so Timothy's age might have been an excuse for people not to treat his words with the same or the appropriate reverence. And in turn, Timothy might have been intimidated to faithfully carry out his ministry in light of the false teachers opposing him and making confident assertions. But Paul also commands Timothy to not let his age become a stumbling block for people to hear the truth for what it is. And he urges Timothy to combat this age bias, if we can call it that, by living as an example of the very words that he was preaching. And that's going to be our second point for this evening. A good servant's public example is living the word. In good servant's public example in living the word. Verse 12 says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in love, uh, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. So by living out the kind of life that accords with sound doctrine, Timothy reinforces his message. Because the gospel is not just a four-point outline, but it is also a transforming reality of one's life. So for Timothy, being young doesn't mean that you can't be an example to those people who are older than you. And by extension, being young, it also doesn't give you an excuse to live in a worldly manner. Now, being young is not a reason for your words to be taken with any less reverence if they are the words of God and if they are also validated by a life that reflects the truth of those words. Later on in verse 15, Paul mentions that Timothy's progress should be evidence to all. And this is meant to be a public thing, as Justin mentioned earlier. The idea of being an example implies that Timothy was to demonstrate his character in a visible and an outward way. So this isn't to say that his goal should be to be superficial and to just put on a false front or to live for the approval of man. And I think sometimes we can treat it that way, that we may be hesitant to live as an example to other people because we may feel like, oh, we're doing this for the wrong reasons. It's very, very possible that that's true. But Paul here is calling Timothy to demonstrate his true character that had been transformed by the gospel that he had known since he was a youth. So this goes beyond just where you are in your heart. Paul is telling Timothy to take what is true internally and ensure that it's being manifested externally. And why is that important? It's important because look who the audience is here. To whom is, should he be an example of these things? It's to the believers, to those who believe. Um, later in verse 16, Paul mentions again, Timothy's ministry is going to have an influence on his hearers. So you see the purpose of being a public example, it's not for the purpose of any kind of self-glorification, but it's for the other's edification in the body of believers. So the purpose is not for Timothy to exalt himself, but it was so that the believers could see what a life looks like that is conformed to the sound words that he taught. And so that these believers could have a trustworthy model of these things that they could imitate as well. 
So real quick, what is Timothy to be an example of? Uh, Paul mentions a few things here, speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Um, there are five things that he lists here, um, but those five things are pretty comprehensive, aren't they? So Timothy isn't just to be an example in just a few areas, but really there's a comprehensiveness here to his life. And we don't have time to go into all of these uh, list of five things, but all of these things are an aspect of a life that is aligned with the gospel and aligned with Christ. And at the same time, these things represent a life that is contrary to the world and is contrary to the flesh. It's very different from what the world, the way that the world is living. And of those two, the two things that you can be an example of, Christ or the world, a good servant is an example of Christ. So we've seen that a good servant of Christ has the authoritative calling to preach the word. And we've also seen that a good servant serves as a public example of living the word. But we also see in this passage a lot of words that describe another characteristic of a good servant of Christ. And that's our next point. A good servant of Christ, his stewardship, which is diligence in the word. So throughout this passage, we've seen Paul use words like devote yourself to these things back in verse 13. Do not neglect the gift that you have. Verse 14, we see a lot of words that communicate this extreme diligence to the word. So I'll just put all these out there for now. Um, keep a close watch. Persist in these things. A lot of words that and phrases that speak to a kind of dedication and a single-minded diligence that Timothy must keep in the stewardship of the word, both in teaching and in living. Because Timothy has a responsibility. The gift that he had been given by the Spirit to teach the word of God also came with a responsibility to use that gift to the fullest for the Lord. So to not use the Spirit's gift would be to waste it. So the commands here are to really cultivate that. Uh, now, a lot of us here, we work, live and work in Silicon Valley. We're familiar with this idea of venture capital. You know, these companies, these firms that invest billions of dollars into companies with an expectation that those companies will use those funds to grow their business and to return many, many multiples of what they were given. So what do you think a venture capital company would think if they gave funding to some startup only to see that company leave the money in the bank. They wouldn't be very happy. That's not why they gave them the funding. And you know, to kind of stretch that illustration, stretch that analogy, we've been given spiritual gift from the Lord. Now, not all of us may have the same gift that Timothy did, but if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you do have a gift from the spirit which has been given to you specifically so that you could use it in his church for his glory. If you guys want to turn um, over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, give you a few moments to get there, I'll, but I'll read that for us as well. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, it says, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards 
of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So those who are in the church, each one of us has a gift from the Lord. And our responsibility isn't to keep it to ourselves, but to cultivate that gift that you have and use it so that the church may be built up. And I'm just reminded of the parable of the talents and the unfaithful servant who just took what the master gave to him and buried it in the ground. So one day the master is going to return. That's, it is a certainty. One day the master is going to return. We don't know when, but we know that he will, 100% guaranteed. And he's going to ask what you've done with what he gave you. And we don't wanna be caught saying, I did nothing with it. Here, you can have it back, Lord. Instead, we have to use what the Lord has given us to the fullest. So God didn't give us spiritual gifts so that we could sit on them and withhold it from the rest of the church. But Paul tells Timothy here for his giftedness, he has to practice these things, practice them. Contrary to what Alan Iverson might tell you, practice is important. It implies diligence, devotion. And Paul, he's telling Timothy that this needs to be his life's work. Teaching the word, living the word, ministering the word. All of this ministry of the word needs to be continually cultivated in his life. The word here describes a constant thinking about something, plotting and scheming, even if I were to take that even to its extreme. So when, even when Timothy is not in the act of teaching the word, he has to be, he should be thinking about how to teach the word better, how to minister the word better. He should be thinking about what the scriptures say and what they mean and how he can grow in the calling that he's received from the Lord. He has to be single-minded in his devotion to the scriptures and into his calling. And Paul goes even further to say that Timothy has to be immersed in these things. And he has to immerse himself in these things, I should say. Or NASB says absorbed in these things. Literally, Timothy has to be in these things. So there should be no doubt and no ambiguity, no question that Timothy is a man of the word. So much so that his identity is tied with it. So if you know someone who's obsessed with something, they spend all their time thinking about it, talking about it, reading the latest news and blogs about it. They're so immersed in their hobby that you associate that person with their obsession. But Timothy is to be like that with the word of God, to his calling to minister the word of God. He should be so devoted to the scriptures. That's, that, that's what he's known as, being a man of the word, a man of the scriptures. And that's something, even though this particular passage is geared towards Timothy, this is something that we can take from it as well. This kind of devotion to knowing and understanding the scriptures and considering like how much effort, how much diligence we apply towards knowing the scriptures and understanding what the word of God says. And as he practices, as he immerses himself in these things, Timothy's going to grow. That's just going to be a byproduct of being in his word and submitting himself to it. Paul says he's going to make progress. 
and that progress is going to be observed by others. So in verse 16, Paul exhorts Timothy to keep a close watch on himself and on the teaching. And really, if there is one takeaway verse, one concise, neatly packaged summary of what this passage is about, the authorial intent can really be summed up here in verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Keeping watch on himself means that he's living the word faithfully. Keeping watch on the teaching means that he's preaching the word faithfully and fulfilling his calling. And that idea of keeping a close watch, it means that Timothy, he is exercising every diligence at his disposal to his devotion, to his calling, ensuring that he doesn't stray from it. And if his ministry does happen to get off track, because he's constantly keeping a close watch on it, he can course correct quickly. And finally, Paul commands Timothy to persist in these things. Persist. Persisting means that Timothy is not only to do these things right now, but he has to continue being steadfast in teaching and preaching the word and living as an example of it. And this is regardless and despite any resistance or any opposition that he might encounter from the false teachers, from the world, from the evil one. Perseverance or persistence is a critical aspect of one who is called to be a good servant of Christ. And Christ himself told his disciples, he who perseveres to the end will be saved, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of opposition. And that leads us to our final point, the last phrase at the end of verse 16, which is a good servant's assurance, salvation through the word. A good servant's assurance, which is salvation through the word. At the end of verse 16, Paul says that by persisting or persevering in some translations in these things, Timothy would save both himself and his hearers. And at face value, it may seem as if Paul is putting salvation in the hands of Timothy, which would make salvation a work of man rather than a work of God. But we do know from the rest of scriptures that salvation is a work of God, and it is by grace we have been saved, not by works, so that no one can boast. So what is it that Paul means here? I mean, it's certainly true that those who persist and persevere in the faith will be saved, but that perseverance and that persistence is also a work of the Lord, and it is an outworking of the gospel in one's life. Those who don't persevere, those who don't persist in these things, they demonstrate that they may not have had saving faith to begin with, and the work of the Lord was not in them. I mean, you guys are familiar with 1 John, 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain to all that they are not of us. Now, this does not mean that in order to be truly saved, you will never commit another sin, that you will never slip up or show any signs of weakness, but it does mean that the Lord will not abandon his own, and he will not allow his true sheep to fall away from the faith. Christ says that the Father himself gives him his sheep, and that Christ will not lose a single one of them. 
in John chapter 10, 28, Christ says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So Paul, he's not saying here that Timothy is Jesus and that he can achieve salvation by his own work. But he's saying that Timothy's perseverance and faithfulness is what will prove his salvation in the end, and he won't be disqualified from the prize that's set before him. And not only himself, Paul also says that Timothy's hearers will also be saved. So we're kind of going back to this aspect of the public aspect of Timothy's ministry here. The transformation and the salvation of all believers comes in the testimony of Christ's gospel, both in word and in deed. So those who communicate the true gospel through their teaching and their words and have a life that demonstrates the gospel at work, that kind of life exposes darkened hearts to the good news that will save them. So the gospel is made visible through your doctrine and through your life. And that gospel is what's going to bring salvation to men. So again, we're not saying that Timothy has the self-power to bring salvation, but through God's divine sovereignty and his discretion, he will use finite and sinful men such as Timothy as a means by which to spread his word, to expose people to the savior. And that's really one of the greatest rewards for a good servant of Jesus Christ, to be used as an instrument in his plan of salvation. So the good stewards, the good servant's stewardship of the word will validate the saving faith in his own life, much as the faithful servant in the parable of the talents. But it's also going to reach dark souls that need to hear about Christ Men will come to salvation through Christ, and that will be brought to them by Christ's good servants. So the Lord will take good servants and use them in his work of salvation. And for all of us, you know, not all of us are going to be in the same exact role as Timothy. But I don't want us to sort of separate ourselves from the application for this passage because as I mentioned earlier, just and want to reiterate again, we've all been given some role and some gift to be faithful with. And if anything is clear here, a good servant's diligence will have a gospel influence on those who are around them. And this may be obvious, but sometimes we have the tendency to gloss over obvious truths and stray into error. But the salvation of yourself and your hearers, this is an assurance. It's not a command. As For as many commands as we have in this passage, as a few of you have pointed out, the salvation of yourself and your hearers is an assurance. It's not a command. The Lord will accomplish his work. That's a promise, an assurance. And our focus and our responsibility as good servants of Jesus Christ is simply to remain true to the sound doctrine and the life that accords with it. And the Lord will use that towards his work of salvation. We might think, well, duh, the Lord will do that. We're not the ones who save here. But the implication here is we can trust the Lord. He will save. He will accomplish his work. He will not forsake his sheep and his people. The master is going to return with plenty of reward for his good servants. 
And our focus until then is just to be those good servants and being diligent to keep a close watch on ourselves and to keep a close watch on the doctrine that we follow. So that's all I've got for us uh, for today. So um, let me just close our time in uh, another word of prayer, and then I can hand it back off to Edwin to uh, for announcements. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We know that there are a lot of commands in this passage, and these commands were given uh, from your servant Paul to another servant, Timothy, Lord. And there are so many good things that we can glean from this. And primarily, Lord, I pray for everybody here that we would understand that what you've called us to is a diligence and a devotion and a single-mindedness, Lord, towards fulfilling our calling to be in your word, to know your word, and to live your word, Lord. And we know that each of us who are in the faith, who are in the church, Lord, have been given some means and some method by which we can bless the body and can glorify you, Lord. And I just pray for each of us here that if we don't know what that is, that we really seek to do that by loving one another and loving you, and that you would really help us to understand um, what it is that you're calling uh, for us and that we could fulfill that um, to the, the most extreme degree, Lord, that we wouldn't hold back, that we wouldn't treat our life and our ministry as a part-time job, Lord, but that it would be our singular devotion and love of our life, Lord. So help us, Lord, um, and guide us in this and give us your wisdom that comes from your word, Lord. So we thank you for the time that we were able to look into your word and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kevin, for the exposition of God's word. And now we'll transition to a few announcements. Um, first off, uh, welcome to Logos. If this is your first time joining, we want to welcome you. This is a ministry of uh, Lighthouse Bible Church, Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose. And um, we want to welcome you and thanks for visiting. Uh, if you want to get to know us better um, or learn about this ministry, we want to make ourselves available to you. Um, we want to, if you would like to reach out to Teddy Yu or Naomi Yu, um, if with any questions, they're available for you. I'm gonna put their emails in the chat, I think, bear with me. So, but if you don't know who they are, you can also reach out to me and I can put you in contact with them. Just reach out in the chat there. Um, next, uh, next announcement is for Sunday worship. We have indoor and outdoor gatherings available uh, in addition to online streaming. And we have a limit of uh, 50 people for the indoor service. And if you'd like to join um, for the Sunday service, we have a link for that. I will try to put, sorry, I'm a little bit slow here on the chat. I'll put the link for that as well, or maybe one of the guys can also help me with that um, in the chat so that you can take the time to put, fill out the, the form there if you are interested in joining uh, Sunday worship. Next announcement is for Lagos. Um, next week, we will have our discipleship group sharing and prayer time. And so if you're not in a group, uh, you can reach out um, to me, you can reach out to Tim or to uh, JC, and we can uh, uh, put you into a group if you're not already in a group. 
um, but we'll be meeting in our discipleship groups next week. And we'll reconvene uh, as a large group on March 18th. So Thursday, March 18th for our next large group meeting. And that will be a Q&A with the elders. And then the last um, announcement I have is for Cornerstone and Cornerstone ministry of the church that happens on Sunday uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. And we will resume meeting this coming Sunday on March 7th. And the, um, the teaching, I think, is titled Redeeming the Single Life. So it, uh, Cornerstone is open for the whole church. And if you are interested in joining um, can and you don't have the links to that, you can reach out to your discipleship group leaders or you can reach out to me. It'll be also announced on Sunday. Uh, thanks, Terrence, for putting the link there for the Sunday worship. So I believe that's the announcements that I have received. So if there's no other announcements and I didn't miss anything, I will close our time in a word of prayer. Um, all right, let's, let's uh, pray together. Lord God, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you that it is true um, and is clear. And we thank you that um, uh, for Kevin, for teaching uh, and expositing the word today, that we could um, know what it means to be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And we pray that we would um, examine our own lives, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called, that we would um, not be conformed to the world um, or to be like the world, but we would seek to be more like Christ. Um, and we pray that uh, through the way we live our lives and the way we know your word and obey it, that we would um, uh, just uh, prove our salvation and also be a witness and example to others who you placed in our lives. And uh, we thank you that uh, we can have this time together. We thank you for uh, the church body that we can grow with one another and that we can spur one another on. Um, and we pray that uh, we would look forward to Christ's return um, uh, eagerly. And um, as we uh, just continue to love you and love one another, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.